subscription to hope that you enjoyed this rare and infamous moment that combines a first-rate disaster with genuine historical significance. But now it's time to take a deep breath and get those cameras out as we prepare to temporarily reset you to one of the most fantastic catastrophes in history. Are you ready? Everyone and welcome back to a Time Shifters podcast, a regular edition. Regular. <laughs> Tom, how are you today? I am good. Uh, we've survived a bit of a viewing <laughs> to get to tonight. <laughs> yeah, a little bit. I watched the third and fourth Ator film. <laughs> wow. <laughs> For those who may or may not know, Ator is a character that was created in a, was a movie, uh, Joe D'Amato. Uh, the, the second one was uh, kind of famously done on uh, MST3K. Oh, was that uh, the under second the title, one? Oh, yeah, 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 that, yeah, yeah. Cave under Dwellers. The, <laughs> under the title of Cave Dwellers, right. The first film was Ator the uh, Invincible or Ator the Fighting Eagle. Second one was uh, Ator 2 Invincible Orion or Cave Dwellers. And then there was Iron Warrior. This is the third film, uh, again, okay. starring Miles O'Keefe. And this one, even for an Ator film, made zero sense. Wow. <laughs> D'Amato turned it into like, or tried to turn it into some sort of art house film with all kinds of weird ass camera work and cinema techniques and it was it was bizarre wow it, the first two didn't exactly <laughs> instill confidence so no no i well i didn't even realize i i was just looking for something kind of cheesy to watch and uh -huh. i thought oh sword and sorcery i'll watch this iron warrior I didn't even realize it was an Ator film until the thing started. And there was Miles O'Keefe. I'm like, oh, crap. Are you kidding? <laughs> well, you know, you know, he got off the hang glider and he had something needed to do something. Right. And this one, too, also con just completely ignores the first two films and, like, gives them a completely new backstory and an origin and everything. Wow. Nice. Yeah, it's very strange. And then the fourth film came out in 1990. And this one doesn't feature Miles O'Keefe. No, really. They bring in another actor who is anything but Miles O'Keefe to play Ator. Really? <laughs> yeah, and it's um, the quest for the mighty sword. If I haven't said it, it's it was actually called a uh, Troll Three in Germany because it actually uses the hobgoblin suit from Troll Two. Interesting. Yeah, um, one of the titles of this thing is Ator Three: The Hobgoblin. Okay. <laughs> yeah, uh, just a just a bank on the fact that they were they used this suit. Yeah, this one's not not good either. It was just. <laughs> but I, you know, as a completist, I suppose I can say I've watched all the Ator films. Have you actually seen the first one? I've seen it by Rift Tracks. Yes. No, I have seen it. Uh, unrift and through rift tracks. Okay, good. Yeah, and that's at least one thing about the uh, the third and fourth. At least he's not trying to marry his sister. <laughs> yeah, it's good to know he breaks out of the mold. Oh, there was one I watched uh, just a couple nights ago that I th actually thought was really cool. Yeah, it was called Curse of the Undead. This is a western with a vampire. Really. Yes, it was really cool. It's from 1959. So this is oh, probably the, I think damn. it's credited as being like the first uh, to kind of mix these two genres. Wow. Okay. I hadn't heard of that one. Well, that title just sounds like something I might have seen at some point, but I know I have not seen that. Right. And it's one that you might have just decided to skip because, oh, I don't feel like a zombie film or I don't feel like just another vampire film. But no, it's it's a vampire Western. <laughs> it was actually kind of fun. Cool. Yeah. I mean, I'm not going to say it was like 
the best sure. I mean, it was or fantastic but it it was just a fun mix of the of the of the uh of the genres it oh, was oh, it yeah was... and given the time like 1959 that's yeah that, that's gotta be an interesting watch yeah no so i that's one i would uh i'd definitely recommend for if you're a fan of like the vampire films or just or just the kind of oddball unknown movies go and uh, seek that one out because that would ended up being quite a lot of fun that's cool. Love to check that out. And uh, just last night, I watched Meg Two: The Trench. Yeah, I saw that you. <laughs> have you seen that yet? I have not actually. Oh, all right, all right. Oh, are you going to spoil it and tell me that there's a giant shark in there and it eats lots of people? Yeah, no, I don't think that's a spoiler. <laughs> I, I won't. Uh, I won't say much. Just say that I enjoyed the Meg. A lot. I thought it was just kind of a big, dumb, fun film. Sure. Did not have the same feeling with Meg 2. Oh. Yeah, but... Yeah, I won't say more than that if you haven't seen it, but, you know, go in with... Uh, just keep your expectations in check, I guess. Well, that that's fair. I, I don't know that my expectations were super high to begin with. Mm. I remember when the trailer came out, I was pretty much in the camp of, ah, uh, they've gone and ruined this. <laughs> uh, so I was not disappointed in that regard. <laughs> uh, while I agree with you, the first one was fun. I don't know that there was much to ruin. <laughs> <laughs> so yeah, my expectations will be set appropriately, but I appreciate the uh, notion. <laughs> okay. No worry. What have you been up to? Um, actually, interestingly enough, uh, I have been on a bit of a, uh, a slant myself lately and inspired by our comic expo trip. Oh yeah. Yes. Uh, I took up a based off of, um, oh, what, what was her name? Julie, Julie Benz, Julie Benz. Thank you. Julie mm-hmm. Benz. She had mentioned during some, uh, during her panel, um, that she was in saw five, Oh, right. Um, and it occurred to me, I haven't seen all of the Saw films. Oh, I don't think I've seen any of them. <laughs> no? Um, it's I, not my thing. I'm not really much into the torture porn. <laughs> n- neither am I, typically. But the way that this one's done, especially the first one, is it's I get into those... It, it, it's less about the gore and all that, although I do enjoy if they can convince me of their Mm -hmm. gore. If I feel like, yeah, okay, I I might buy that you actually just did that to a human being, that kind of practical effect I can get into. Sure. Um, So, and with Saw, the first Saw, the complexity of what was being done, if you're not familiar with the premise, the notion is there there is this, this man that feels like People aren't living their lives the way that probably they should or not appreciating life in and of itself. And he finds out things about them. And they may be related to how they have treated him personally or, and I'll get into this later, or he just happens to know something about them overall. Um, And what he does is he puts them in these traps, these puzzles. It's essentially an escape room Mm -hmm. scenario where... They have to make life and death decisions about themselves to get out of it. So they are going to maim themselves to escape their situation, but they have to decide, is the maiming worth the living? Um, And that's kind of essentially their premise. And I had seen the first one, but I thought, okay, it's been forever. I should probably start at the beginning. So I have at least watched one through five in the past two weeks. Oh my gosh! How how it how goes you sleeping, to ten. Tom? <laughs> how, I, have you been sleeping? <laughs> uh, I actually sleep like a baby, but so they don't impact me like they used to. Um, but the thing that I that I'm fascinated by the first three in particular are very much they're tightly packed around the 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 character who gets called Jigsaw. Um, But even, hopefully I'm not spoiling it for anyone, but he dies, actually, um, through the course of these films. 
because he's part of his impetus to do all this is he's uh, suffering from like a brain tumor or cancer that is consuming him. And, and that's part of the driver of all this. Now, after you get past three, he is dead. <laughs> but now we start jumping around in the timeline and we start adding additional characters, but they're all still tied to this one main thing. So theoretically, the, the contents of Saws 1 through 5, and I haven't moved on yet, so there may be more, um, they all take place in the span of just a couple of days. Oh, okay, interesting. And they're all tied together, and every new movie is more ingrained in this, and then it starts just making me think about it. If you watch them as one-offs, you go, okay, uh, that, that was fun, I get the premise, we saw some grossness. Um, you saw people see what they would be willing to put themselves through to, to live. But then if you start looking at it a little more analytically... They do know they did mention that this character is a award-winning engineer. So the fact that he can build all these crazy constructs that he puts these people in these traps so that they can get themselves out there there's a little credence to that, but the part that starts to really boggle the mind is he has stalked literally each and every one of these people prior to his death. He has elaborately set up these various death machines and locations. He has laid out one, in fact, as a full-on escape house with traps that they would get themselves into as they go. And you're like, what kind of time and money <laughs> and, and uh, property? He the, the amount of property this man owns in order to set this stuff up. You're just like, what? The? I think you could have probably gone on, on a really nice, relaxing vacation. <laughs> you, you could have died in Maui with the sun setting. <laughs> Did you really have to go through all of this and put all these people through that and keep trying to make new versions of yourself with these people? It's just it, it when you start binge watching it like binge watching a TV series, you're just like, no, <laughs> no, 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 none of this. Can, no, <laughs> it's just too much. That's hilarious. Yeah, but it is it is entertaining, uh, especially since, um, and of course, once you start either saying it out loud or you type something into your computer, all of the stuff about it just starts creeping into your life in general. And there's one trap, and, and I'm on a, <laughs> I'm on the road to see this one trap go off. It's called a reverse. Uh, bear trap mm -hmm. because oh i know this one yeah it because it, it's featured right in the first one um one of uh, one of the women who gets out she escapes from this one and it's where it's essentially rigged to your lower jaw and your upper jaw mm -hmm. and strapped around your head and if it goes off it's going to spring load and shoot your skull in half from the jaw down and the jaw up um it hadn't gone off in any of them because they escaped that particular trap, but apparently one of the later ones, it does go off. Right. <laughs> and Finally so, the payoff everyone's been waiting for. Yeah, so uh, <laughs> admittedly, I kind of want to get to the practical effect to see what did you do for that one? Because there's one, uh, actually, uh, what's her name? Dinah Meyer um, from like... Mm -hmm. From, like, uh, the Starship Troopers fame. Yeah, okay. Um, she's featured in several of them as a police detective, and she ends up in a trap that that causes her ribcage to get separated. And when that trap goes off, I wasn't as convinced that that's actually what happened, so I was a little disappointed. So, mm -hmm. looking for retribution down the road. <laughs> All right, we'll go. Well, how, how did Julie do in five? Should she watch her film? 
Uh, well, uh, her character fared fairly well up to the end. <laughs> oh. <laughs> um, she was also in one of those scenarios where she was with multiple people and each room was uh, essentially uh, a way to eliminate another person. Uh, and, and actually, they're kind of ingenious. Uh, I give each of the movies credit in and of themselves as a self-contained thing. They make sense. They... Uh, and it's clever how even the gimmick in these movies is literally at the end. They kind of take you back through to show you where if they had all done things a certain way, it had all been okay. Or or if they had made any realizations, you understand why he was driven to do this particular scenario. But yeah, uh, in Julie's case, she's in a version where... Um, all of them are fairly narcissistic people, uh, and they're all about self-promotion and self-preservation. And that was the one thing that the Jigsaw guy told them is you need to now operate against your base instinct. And if they had all operated in unison together, they would have all survived together. But when they get down to two is when they learn, oh, we needed all five of us <laughs> to live through this experience. And yeah. So it's a, it, it's fun for the puzzle aspect. It's fun for the practical effect gore. The, the traps are entertaining to at least see. But yeah, you start really kind of wondering, this guy is bat crap crazy and apparently incredibly wealthy. Right, yeah. <laughs> so... It's a fun series, and then I understand right now there is a number 10 out. Yeah, no, I've seen the posters and stuff uh, online for it. So, gotta make my way through another five. Yeah, good luck with that. Yeah. Happy Halloween, everyone. (laughs) (laughs) All right, well, then I think that's probably taken up most of your time. Yep. Oh, yeah. So let's go ahead and and take a break here. We'll listen to a promo for another podcast. When we get back, we'll take a look at 2017's Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets. Hello everyone, I am Rod Barnett. I'm Troy Gwynn. And we are your hosts for NashyCast, the podcast about the films of Paul Nashy. We, for over five years, have brought you the joys of Spanish cinema, filtered through our brains to you. Yes, now what is it that qualifies two southern boys to talk about films that came out of Spain, and I can't think of a single thing. There's nothing that qualifies. Nothing. nothing. Except that we just love, love them, love them, love them. We love them. Nashi Cast yeah. covers the films of Paul Nashi and any other Spanish horror film that we can pretend we know something about. <laughs> yes. If you love beautiful women wearing incredibly short miniskirts in subarctic temperatures, <laughs> chased by werewolves in leisure suits. If you love werewolves, vampires, unidentifiable beasts, or crazy people driving women around and talking like a maniac. (laughs) Yes, flying cats, beheadings with axes. (laughs) Blood that looks like melted crayons. Shambling zombies, yeah. Some of the films that we've covered in the past are Mark of the Werewolf. Howl of the Devil. Vengeance of the Zombies. Horror Rises from the Tomb. Tombs of the Blind Dead. Vampire's Night Orgy. Ooh, yes. Join us on this journey through the golden age of Spanish horror where Paul Nashi, Leon Klamowski, Jess Franco, Amando Diasorio take us through a filter Espanol. Join us for the Nashi cast. Home sweet home. Because the sky is blue, it makes me cry. Because the sky is blue. Because the 
We get on just great. You flirt. I smile. Yeah, we're a team. in the City of a Thousand Planets was directed by Luc Besson. It is based on the French comic book series Valerian and Loreline, created by Pierre Christen and Jean-Claude Mézière, which first appeared in 1967. The comic focuses on the adventures of Valerian, a spatio-temporal agent, and his colleague Loreline as they travel the universe through space and time. The books are noted for their humor, complexity, and their vivid depictions of alien worlds and species that the pair encounter. Valerian in the comics is the classic hero, strong and brave, who was effectively raised by Galaxity, the governing body and center of the Terran Empire. He follows their orders even when they go against his own morals, while Loreline, a peasant girl from the 11th century France who accidentally discovered Valerian was a time traveler, which forced him to bring her back with him where she is trained as an agent and assigned as his partner, often questions the ethics of some of the jobs they are assigned and occasionally goes directly against the orders with little or no concern of her own safety or any potential repercussions. The movie stars Dane DeHaan as Valerian, and Cara Delevingne, Delevingne as Loreline. Bassan independently financed and personally funded the film, and with a production budget of over $200 million, it is both the most expensive European and the most expensive independent film ever made. While napping, Valerian receives a psychic message from across time and space from an unknown planet, where he sees widespread destruction from a crashing spaceship. Awakening, he learns that he and his partner, Loreline, have been sent on a mission to retrieve a creature called a Mule Converter, a unique creature and the last of its kind, that has the ability to replicate material it ingests in large quantities. Valerian and Loreline are, are to obtain the creature from a black market dealer and transport it to Alpha, a vast space station known as the City of a Thousand Planets, where diverse species from across the galaxy coexist. Valerian discovers that his earlier dream is connected to the Converter and an apparent attack on Alpha. Their mission becomes a race against time that uncovers a dark conspiracy threatening not only the existence of Alpha and its inhabitants, but the future of the universe. Now, I believe this is the second time I've watched this film. I didn't see it in the theaters. I think I saw it sometime after it came to home video, came to DVD, or something like that. I remember being unimpressed with it when I first saw it. And that was a huge disappointment for me because I loved Luc Besson's The Fifth Element. Oh, yeah. So, I, And as with everyone else, I think was really excited for him to kind of come back into that sort of that universe, definitely into the sci-fi and, and fantasy genre. Yeah. Um, but yeah, I left the first time I saw this pretty disappointed. And the second time now that I've watched it, I still find myself pretty disappointed in that. And I'll be honest, it lies solely almost on the casting in this film. Uh, yeah, I completely agree. Um, I did actually see this in the theater because I was very excited for Basson to return to a sci-fi themed uh, project. And I understood this one was her particular love letter i mean he really really wanted to do this one so i was super excited for it and then just utterly crushed uh and i'll i won't bury the lead with this this is a beautiful film absolutely and honestly i kind of dig the story mm -hmm. um and i dig the universe i love the the whole opening arc 
uh, where we are introduced to where Alpha comes from and the wonderful sequence uh, of of humanity uh, coming together both amongst itself as it grew a station and then having those first rounds of contact with alien races as they too boarded the station and the notion that it just kind of kept growing and kept growing and kept growing to the point where it actually threatened the earth by its own sheer size. Yes. Yes. It, it had reached critical mass. Yes. No. <laughs> uh, like if this were to fall out of the sky, it's going to take out the planet. So yeah, they, they, they had to move it along. So loved all of that. Loved the alien sequence on the, the pristine paradise world where their life is completely disrupted and destroyed by a war taking place just outside their own atmosphere. And, and and then we're introduced to Valerian and it all falls apart in that opening moment. Yep. And, and not, I don't want to berate um, Dane DeHaan. He has his, uh, I don't know, his style but his style is not this character at all. So dramatically, terribly cast. Yeah, he's another actor. I think this has got to be the, the second or third time that we've stumbled across an actor that was in the... Um, oh, shoot, now I just, uh, the title just left me. Um, where, where the kids all find the, 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 the magic rock Chronicle. and become... Su- Chronicle. Yeah. yeah. This is like the second or third time this year that we stumbled across an actor that was from that film. Mm-hmm. And we both... Chronicle's great. Yes, but because of his style, that kind of moody, emo, um, young man, teen kind of feel, well, that was built for the character in Chronicle. But that seems to be kind of his vibe, no matter what. And this is the one where he's supposed to be the charismatic love interest, the hero of heroes, the the moral compass for the film, and and, uh, and the driver for this. I mean, he it's named after him, for God's sakes. And he is the most bland, uh, most uninteresting, most uncharismatic, whiny little nothing of a, a person. And that's not who that character is supposed to be. I don't have as much a problem with um, Kara Delavine, but even she, I think, is miscast in this. I, I purposely read the description of the characters from the comics because they are not the characters we see in this film. Right, yeah, no, uh, your description, because uh, uh, I know of the comic, I didn't know a lot of that backstory that you read through. Um, and yeah, that that none of that came through in this film at all, like the time travel component and all that yeah that's not here it's not here at all yeah i really felt like for the characters that they're supposed to be playing i almost felt like they were both way too young for it yeah um they're too young Uh, again kara i didn't have as much a problem with but because she and dane don't have any chemistry whatsoever and i mean we're we're seconds into their scenes and you're supposed to somehow get that they might be a love interest and that somehow he's a ladies man. And and none of that carries off from this particular casting and their, their portrayal of the characters. No, his, um, you know, his proposal to her and I want to settle down and you're the only one for me. It all comes off as so insincere. Yeah, because of because he's the one delivering these lines. You're thinking he's a player, and he's just trying to play his way into her pants. And I think that was supposed to be the vibe you got, but in this case, I don't even picture him being a player. Like it, it's just <laughs> not. It, it's not his aesthetic. He doesn't have that look. He doesn't have that vibe and personality. Uh, he's not. He's not exactly a presence on the screen. And his look, I think, changed from scene to scene. There are times where I feel like when you look at him, you think the night before he just got off a bender. Sure. Because he's got big old, like, 
bags under his eyes. And then like in the very next scene, he must have got a good night's sleep because they're not there. Right. <laughs> it's like, what the hell? <laughs> the performance and, and all was just so uneven and so off-putting. And, and, and that's parts of the shame. While this is a bit of a chaotic story, too. I mean, it makes sense. It's not bad. It's just, it's trying to cram an awful lot into a, Granted, it's a long-run film. I mean, it's 2 hours 16. It's trying to pack a really awful lot into a very little period of time. I will give it credit, though. The long run time is well used. Oh, yeah. I, I don't feel like there's ever really truly any padding no. in the film. I mean, they, they do a... Well, maybe the big market scene is drawn out a little... That's kind of like the um, in Fifth Element. You had a lot, of, you know, the 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 traffic chase through the, the flying through New York or yeah. whatever it was. That's what the big market scene was in this film. Kind of, and, and yes, unlike the the uh, the taxi cab scene in, in Fifth Element that n- knew about the right amount to have in there. Yeah, the the big market scene kind of. You can cut it almost into three full sequences because mm-hmm. there's the setup for what Big Market is. There's the mission to get the 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 mule thing in there, and then there's the escape from from Big Market, and they ju- it just kind of goes on, and it's almost a movie by itself. Yeah, well, it, it, in particular, the escape. The escape really goes on. The the escape itself is in like three or four parts yes and you could easily have trimmed out some of that yeah absolutely and the big market as grand as all of this is in the the sheer scale of everything that one of the things that bugged me i love the concept but they had this big wide open desert that's flat and people walk just walking around with their visors and their their gloves on and i get that i get that concept but then this is also a multi-tier thing, but they're all walking around on the same plane. Uh, it, it, it was weirding me out how, how big yeah. market works. Yeah, I know the big market was actually in another dimension, and yes. that dimension obviously can has have can have multi-tiers. Sure. But how that works in the real world, if your body is actually still in in one our plane, plane. <laughs> yeah, I, I'm not sure how that works. Which got weird too, because during an escape sequence, he has to break through a manhole cover, which he is both in the interdimensional thing, but also sitting out in the middle of the big deserty flat. Uh, flat. Hey, like I. Why yeah, is uh, that? Why does up and down work <laughs> there, but not anywhere else? Right. It was uh, like I can. I don't have a problem with the suspension of disbelief, but like I've always said in any of my movies, set the ground rules and stick to them. And this was one where they kind of played it fast and loose with what the ground rules were for this place. So it was just it, my head. I know I'm supposed to be in the scene and paying attention, but my head's still going, wait, what? <laughs> Make it a comedy moment with like having uh, Loreline looking at Valerian on our plane as he's going through the multi-dimensional and, and falling through the floor and watching him flail around. Yeah, <laughs> looking no, it, like it, he's... <laughs> and that would have been really fun if they had just gone ahead and said, yes, this is one big desert floor that everybody's just walking around in. And your body just kind of mimics the going up and the down part. Right. And to sit there watching him bounce on his ass <laughs> 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 on, on the desert floor, that would have been hysterical. But yes. that just goes back to poor casting. At no point were they like, did I ever buy the love interest? Kara notwithstanding, neither of them portrayed particularly sexy in this particular film. And they're not funny. <laughs> no. Now, I'm not saying Kara didn't look good, but I mean, it just didn't come off as sex appeal in this. It was kind of just... 
again, gratuitous in some cases just for the sake of being it, but, you know, French design can be that way. And apparently in the in the comics, the character will use her sexuality if it benefits her. Sure. Or if it's gonna if it's gonna get them somewhere in the mission. So that would have absolutely fit the character. They just chose not to do that here. Right. They didn't even give her a reason to. Yeah, it it never came up and when you're supposed to believe somehow they have chemistry, that didn't come through either. <laughs> yeah, she's supposed to be just as capable if or if not more capable than Valerian. Yeah. And with only a few hints of it, they really sideline her through a lot of this film. And then when she goes on to the rescue, it seems like a lot of that rescue is off screen and she just kind of shows up and I'm, Oh, I'm here. <laughs> and, and then something happens to her, which leaves Valerian to have to rescue her. Right. <laughs> Cause that heaven forbid she not be the damsel. Right. But again, she see, and that did come through in this, whether intentional or not, but she seemed the more capable of the two of them, the smarter one too. Oh, Absolutely. <laughs> We talked a little bit before we uh, we started recording that we had forgotten about most of the cast yes. in this film. Uh, the film opens with Rudger Hauer. Yes. Yeah, no. Uh, which was a, a nice surprise. I completely forgot he was in this film. It is a brief cameo, but he does all the, uh, the, the uh, prologue and hey. explaining what Alpha is. And what a promotion. He's president of the world. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. Uh not bad for a replicant. Right. <laughs> uh, there's a few others. Um, who do we say? Oh, Ethan Hawke makes yep. it like makes an appearance. Uh, Herbie Hancock of all people is like the uh, I I is he the uh, the head of the uh, the military? Yeah. No, he's the defense minister. <laughs> yeah. There you go. But he literally phones his part in. <laughs> He's always on the video. We never. I don't think we ever actually see him physically. Yeah, uh, th- this slightly predates the the uh, the Zoom revolution, but uh, but yes, no, he he did all of his uh, skills by Zoom. Well, Clive Owen is the commander, and, and then Rihanna as Bubble, and again a character that. She was there to serve a purpose in that particular portion of the film and then quickly disposed of. It's a character that you wouldn't have mind seeing continue or get at least a better, a little bit resolution to her character than, uh, I, I fell and now I'm going to die. <laughs> well, yeah, and they kept trying to... They kept trying to touch on what her backstory kind of was as they went through their their little adventure but never gave it the full proper like clearly she was a, a an enslaved creature forced to do these things mm-hmm. and, and just what her entertainer um uh persona became ingrained on who this character was supposed to be but I needed more. And this one I didn't even uh, catch, and I, I probably heard the voice, and I was probably sitting there thinking, I know that voice and I can't place it, but uh, John Goodman is the voice of the uh, the, the pirate captain there at uh, in, in Big Market. Yes, no, uh, I did catch his voice, uh, and I didn't manage to look for him in the credits, but yes, that was totally him. <laughs> Pretty incredible and kind of a fun cast. It's just, with the exception of Dane DeHaan and, and Cara Devine. Uh, Delavine, excuse me. I keep messing up her name. Her name has got too many letters in it. <laughs> no, I, exactly. Uh, when your two main characters are the least likable of the bunch and they have to pull the whole film along, that's... That's the thing. Seriously, if you had gotten two other people with actual chemistry who who fit the 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 character type that they were supposed to be playing, this could have been amazing. I know how this film could have been saved. Yes, please do tell. This film could have been saved by making it a actual sequel to The Fifth Element. Yeah. Just call it The City of a Thousand Planets. Okay. You can say, based on the comics, if that's what Luc Besson wanted to do, 
but cast Bruce Willis and Mila Jovovich as Valerian. And no, Lord? no, no. Here, yeah. Take take place maybe like a decade after the events of the previous film. Okay. Corbin Dallas and Lilu have now completely acclimated, or excuse me, uh, Corbin Dallas and Lilu, who is now completely acclimated to the world around her, have settled into a normal life where Dallas makes a living ferrying people around the big market. Okay. Lilu, being a very unique creature herself, receives the psychic message, and she and Dallas go off to find the source. They look for information at the big market where they stumble on the Mool Converter. Realizing it is connected to the dream, they steal it and head to Alpha to resume their search. There they cross paths with the Earth government after they try to intervene during the attack on the Council. And they're recruited by the government to get to the bottom of what is going on in Alpha. And the rest of the film can continue nearly as written, but with Dallas and Lilu as our protagonists. Okay, I could see it. Okay, so this would eliminate the forced and what feels like insincere romance between our main characters. It would allow some fantastic callbacks to the first film. Like when that creature is clinging to the ship right before they go to warp. Yeah. Imagine Corbin Dallas saying that someone's going to land with a big bada boom. <laughs> the theater would have literally exploded. Actually, and I caught it on this uh, pass-through, he did have at least one joke in the film that was a callback to The Fifth Element. You remember the guy in The Fifth Element with the funky hat that was trying to <laughs> to rob him? Someone makes a, a crack about a hat. <laughs> yeah, Loreline looks at him, nice hat. Yeah. Yes, yeah. yes, that's right. That scene just outside the big market. Mm -hmm. um, and, and I'll, I'll admit in that moment, I actually laughed at, at, at the film. Like that was cute. I love it. That was perfect. But yeah, to have stuff like that and, and it would have been even funnier this time around if, because in the first film, it's, it's Bruce's character that's, that's laughing to himself like his nice hat. Mm-hmm. <laughs> It, it, if it was Lilu now saying it because they're a couple and now they're starting to be kind of have the same vibe for her yeah. to go, hey man, nice hat. <laughs> that would have been that would have been hysterical. See, that's how you could have saved this film: Bruce Willis and Mila Jovovich as Dallas and Lilu. It works. I, you can do. You can have almost the exact same film, but with those two people that actually work together, work well together, and characters that people actually enjoy, and frankly, the right age for the characters that you're trying to you know, portray in this film, it would have been brilliant. No, because, uh, no, I, I do like it, because uh, actually one of the, during the opening sequence while we're getting to know Alpha and its origin, um, there was a set of aliens that walked on board dramatically wanted to be the Mondashi one from uh from the fifth element they just yep. they shaped it just slightly differently but otherwise i'm like that that's the same thing right there <laughs> yep yeah exactly it could have easily been like a sister race or something like that right but you could have actually gone back and actually had the actual Mondashi one come on board alpha uh because i mean that would have been a great little segue into Oh, so we've seen them in, in the past before, because they've come to Earth before. Right. So this could have been another visit, only now they're checking progress. and Because <laughs> the, the creation of Alpha could have happened before the events of the Fifth Element. Oh, no, absolutely. In fact, they even uh, they, they show the timeline. And, um, you know, God love them, that only three years in the future, the International Space Station was a hell of a lot bigger oh, than yeah. it is now. Oh, yeah, yeah, yeah. <laughs> laugh a little bit at that <laughs> uh yeah so that's how i think they could have saved this film no i actually now i'm watching that film in my head and i'm enjoying that way more <laughs> absolutely uh that is like my like one of my favorite films now <laughs> that what we need to do is fan fiction and rewrite this screenplay <laughs> <laughs> Well, it's just it. You don't have to do much. No, you, you can don't. take the same film. Yeah, yeah. You could take almost all of the rest of the elements. I, I would give Bubble a little bit more, but or at least let her live. Mm. Yeah, yeah. Uh, yeah, absolutely. <laughs> but I, I, I love it. 
print it, ship it. Let's do it. <laughs> Throw a Chris Tucker cameo in there somewhere. Well, it, that could have been even... You can build those elements into it. Actually, I'm surprised... They could have come up with a way to do that even in this film. Like, you could have had Valerian and Loreline on board their ship listening to the Ruby Rod um, yeah. mute oh, absolutely. station on the on their ship while they were just heading somewhere. That would have been amazing. <laughs> yes. We we've we've done better by this film just sitting here bullshitting about it. <laughs> Luke, if you're listening, yes. mon frere. <laughs> <laughs> Come on. <laughs> you can do better. <laughs> and now we've reached the limits of Chris's French. <laughs> <laughs> Au contraire. <laughs> <laughs> and now we've reached the limits of Chris's French. We. <laughs> <Oui>. Bonjour. <laughs> Baguette. <laughs> I put this out on the social media, and at this time I was not disappointed. Oh, good. With, uh, I... Now, I haven't put it over onto Reddit in a long time because I was getting tired of their, you know, Reddit is a... The snarky responses. It's the Moss Eiley of social media. <laughs> it kind of is. Uh, but I found the right Reddit to put this in and worded the, the post the right way. Oh, good. I got so many. I, I still have a lot here, but there's a lot that I just... I had to cut it off somewhere. We need a whole show just to go over the responses. A little bit. So I've got like what I consider sort of the highlights and there's even these are strap in a little bit here. Alrighty. All right. So Florida Gator man says, I think my favorite sci-fi movies are ones that can take spectacle and amazing technology and make it seem lived in the bright lights and the quirky creatures are all just part of the world we're looking into. The worst ones focus on the spectacle and just feel like a sl slideshow of what's the next amazing thing we come up with. I think this movie really leaned into the latter. On top of that, the main duo just didn't work together at all. I don't want to be a jerk, we'll say, <laughs> but this movie might be the best representation of what completely AI main characters may look like someday. <laughs> they both were wooden, had no chemistry, and had this aura of self-awarded coolness they never earned at any point in the movie. Not a terrible movie, but in my opinion, it really missed key marks in what makes truly memorable sci-fi movies, well, memorable at all. I had to read that one because I really like his comment about the AI characters. Yeah. That's exactly what these two were here. Yeah, you very well said. Uh, Gadget850 says, one of the best opening scenes ever. Then, meh. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's basically what I said earlier. <laughs> yeah, and there was a lot of comments from people that commented about the, the David Bowie opening and the, what you were talking about, huh? that opening scene showing the, the progression of, of, of Earth and its connection and, and then off to other races and everything. Yeah, no, it's an entirely amazing sequence. And then, like I said, you get into what's the thrust of the, the opening section that you're supposed to go, this is where we're going to build our story around. That's amazing. And then we see Valerian. <laughs> uh, Shortnick says, four years ago during her last visit, my niece and I started watching it. She left before we gotten more than halfway through. Next time I'll see if, I, if we can finish it. <laughs> <laughs> Mobyhead 1. Luc Besson's best adaptation of the French comic Valerian and Loreline remains, sadly, the fifth element. Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets is a hot mess in the original sense of the idiom. Very pretty, but a complete mess. Yes. But I've rewatched the opening sequence set to the tune of David Bowie's Space Oddity more times than I care to admit. <laughs> <laughs> What's what you want out of your sci-fi? It's so it's so grand and hopeful, and, and seems like we're on the right track. And like, yeah, I love it. It's it, 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 it's it's a different way to get to the Federation. Yes. <laughs> it was great. Uh, Saint Baba, I always tell people that the two leads in this movie had the chemistry of a block of wood and a differently <laughs> shaped block of wood that doesn't fit next to the first block of wood. <laughs> Correct? <laughs> yeah. Sounder, 134. The movie was killed by the two lead actors, in my opinion. 
I think two likable actors could have made it at least a de- made it at least fun despite the film's issues. I love Fifth Element, although I don't think it's a great film, but I love it because the characters were fun, and that made it a fun ride. This could have been at the very least a fun ride through a messy story if the characters were likable. Mm-hmm. Uh, a lot of people agreeing about the main characters. That seems to be a pretty common uh, theme in everybody's review. When we get to the experts, that's not going to waver. I'm going to go ahead and, and skip a few of these because I'm starting to kind of, re- I realized how repetitive some of them are <laughs> because it's really all about the two main collectively characters. Collectively, we all feel roughly the same way. <laughs> mm-hmm. Feel the Coes. I think it's effing awesome, and I don't agree with the hate that the two leads get about them feeling more like siblings than having romantic feelings. Putting that one aspect aside, even if I agree with that take, everything else else about the movie makes up for it. The story is awesome, and the visuals are amazing. So there's one big fan of it. Wow, okay. Uh, Anders 2B, unpopular opinion here based on the comments, but I really had a blast watching this movie. I was thoroughly surprised when it wasn't a hit at the box office, but I think this was a marketing problem, and then started reading critics complaining about the protagonist's chemistry. So it became a safe bet comment to complain about them, but I thought they were a fun pair to watch. Great opening scene, the scene where they were in another dimension and Dane's character hand got stuck in one side and him in the other, I thought was brilliant. The CGI enabled the visualizations of the sci-fi craziness of the film. I asked the people who didn't like this movie but love Marvel, love Marvel, why is that? All the comments I've seen here about this movie can be applied to Marvel as well. Showing off CGI, cast didn't have chemistry. Hello, Guardians of the Galaxy. <laughs> I watched a few Marvel movies, but I just can't stand watching them anymore, so I welcome when something is not mainstream, even though Valerian follows the traditional hero's journey. It had enough quirkiness that kept me captive. It's the fifth element on crack times a thousand, and I effing loved it. I walked out of the theater on an epic happy as F movie high, and I bought the Blu-ray. Shame will likely never get a continuation because the world it resides in deserves to be seen more. So yeah, so there are big fans of the film, and God love them. And I had his point in the end is it's a shame. And you you said it too. Yeah. This universe deserves to be explored. Oh, absolutely! If they could figure out how to do that and not necessarily have Valerian, I'd be okay with that. So that's a, that's we'll leave uh, Reddit behind. There was a, a comment or two on Facebook. Uh, Jay from the Rating Room podcast. He says, "I like my sci-fi films, but I've stayed away from this one. I love Fifth Element, and Basan has directed some good films. Leon is probably my favorite." And yeah, Leon is actually spectacular. So yeah, you're 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 correct there. <laughs> Adam Friends says, I enjoyed it. <laughs> Plain and simple. Over on Spoutable, uh Jason from It's Not That Bad podcast. Oh, this film was a visual gem. I truly enjoyed it, but I can see how people didn't, because it's not the fifth element. Take Valerian as its own thing, and there's a good level of enjoyment. And then uh, Mike, uh, one of the mics of I used to watch this podcast over on TikTok, actually says there is a there's there is not more to the Valerian. There should be, there just isn't. <laughs> so that's all the social media. Well, that's only a fraction of the social sure. media that I. <laughs> that uh, we were we were bound to get turnout for that because uh, th- this is a uh, controversial, I guess. Yeah, it, it stirs conversation at the least. <laughs> Absolutely. But I think 90% of it, the biggest criticism is toward Dahan and Delavine. Yes. And, and, and shall we continue the uh, walk down that line? <laughs> yeah, let's let's see what the uh, the official, the actual critics had to say i made three choices this time around and from rogerebert.com um peter uh, sobzinski uh four stars wow okay out, out of five uh they <laughs> out of ten uh, uh, on roger ebert's site four stars is the top that's the high okay wow. i believe that's accurate because there is no yeah. faded other star it is All right four stars so um, had a lot to say, uh, getting into it. He goes, uh, 
Valerian in the City of a Thousand Planets, a deliriously entertaining film that finds writer-director Luc Besson swinging for the fences in efforts to make a weirdo sci-fi epic for the ages and coming up with a virtual home run derby. It's a film filled with humor, charm, excitement, and so many memorable images that many viewers will find themselves struggling to keep from blinking so as not to miss any of the eye-popping delights crammed into each overstuffed frame. It goes on for a synopsis and then ends here with the only weak element to Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets, ironically enough, is Valerian himself. <laughs> Throughout his career, Bassan has never shown much interest in telling stories based around conventionally masculine heroes. Most of his films have centered on tough and resourceful female characters, and when guys have been front and center, Bassan has subverted their macho natures in some way. See, such as uh, dressing Bruce Willis in Jean-Paul Gaultier in The Fifth Element. Mm -hmm. Here, Valerian should be brave, bold, and resourceful, but as inhabited by Dahan, he comes across more like a callow kid struggling to emulate the effortless cool of Han Solo. <laughs> Hassan is clearly more interested in the character Loreline, and viewers will be too. Thanks to Delavine's or Delavine's uh, performance. She is funny, convincing in the fight scenes, charismatic as hell, and capable of taking an absurdly melodramatic speech like her climactic oratory on the importance of love and making it work. I'm going to have to vehemently disagree with you, Peter. <laughs> I thought that very stiff, wooden, and kind of like nails on chalkboard. <laughs> Yeah, that wasn't her strongest moment in the film. I think she had moments, and I she think did. there was times where I, I I think she showed a lot of character and just a lot of kind of naturalness to to the character. The just even her facial expressions or her her body um uh her body language. Yeah, yeah. When it came to like some of the dialogue. Yeah, and whether that be clunky dialogue or mm, poor directing choices or just care as in, I don't know, inexperience in delivering on these things. She's known more for her modeling than her acting. So Certainly at this time, this is only maybe her third or fourth film, I think. Something like that. And, and she's gone on to do a lot more. She's uh, yeah. She was actually the star of the of like an Amazon Prime original. Oh, the um, the thing with the fairies. Uh, fairies. Yeah, yeah, yeah. And she leads that sh that series, and yeah. I've, I've watched a little bit of it, and she's brilliant in that. That's that's great. Yeah. Then, which case, they're just a a wrong mix of things happening in mm -hmm. this film. But sorry, Peter, you seemed very excited about that, but <laughs> I'm not uh, I'm not buying what you're selling on some of that. So that was the top. Uh, so right there, dead in the middle, Wall Street Journal, Joe Morgenstern. Luke Besson's Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets takes us beyond binge-watching into the realm of binge-seeing. A single showing of the film can induce intoxication from the surfeit of gorgeous images. Outlandish creatures fill the screen, shifting shapes as they go. An aurora shimmers in the daytime sky of an alien world. Exotic settings materialize in a delirium of decoration. Too muchness is an aesthetic principle in this sci-fi spectacle based on a French comic book series launched in the 1960s, and that's part of the eye-numbing fun. But the two young crime fighters at the center of the story, Major Valerian Dane DeHaan, and his partner, Sergeant Loreline Cara Delevingne, are no fun at all. <laughs> Seldom has such a glittering wagon been hitched to such dull stars. Wouch. <laughs> and that's when he's in the middle. <laughs> yeah. I'm, I'm sensing, definitely sensing a theme. <laughs> yes. Uh, and now for the ugly. <laughs> Hollywood reporter Todd McCarthy. 
The Razzies don't need to wait until the end of the year to anoint a winner for 2017. How? The Golden Turkey Award should be republished with a, a new cover. Euro Trash is back while sci-fi will need to lick its wounds for a while. Dane DeHaan, who has starred in two of the most egregiously bloated misfires of the year with a cure for wellness and now this, should do a couple of indie films. While Cara Delevingne needs to learn there is more to acting than smirking and eye-rolling. Rihanna should pretend this never happened. (laughs) And the Hollywood studio chiefs can breathe easy that this time, at least, they'll escape blame for making a giant summer franchise picture that nobody wants to see since this one's a French import. (laughs) (laughs) So that's a little maybe on the harsh side. (laughs) Yeah, maybe maybe a little cruel, but... But but in a mix of all of that and everything on Reddit, you get that this is kind of a mess. It's beautiful to watch. It has fantastic elements in it. But it's lacking in some of the most substantial points, which is just character development, characters, and just line delivery. <laughs> I, I did my best to kind of just put all my previous you know just put it aside watch it as if i was watching it for the first time yeah i just i came away with that same that that same feeling there's a lot there it looks absolutely gorgeous but damn those the the leads just break it for me yeah I, i can't do it whatever story that is just about them is awful yes (laughs) the romance or whatever you want to call that is awful. Yeah, when we're solving the mystery uh, of the zone at the center uh, of Alpha and essentially the crimes of this particular commander, while we're doing that stuff, it's fine. It's fun. Mm-hmm. Um, but yeah, whenever we try to actually try to suggest that they have chemistry, that goes horribly, horribly wrong. Yeah. And I went into this as optimistic as you. I, actually, th- because it is Luke Besson, because it is a beautiful film, I was looking forward to, to rewatching. And I actually watched this with my son, which this was the first time he saw it. And he just left it kind of meh. Mm-hmm. <laughs> yeah. And that's unfortunately how I left it the first time, and I still left it the second time. I'm like, I wanted so much more, and I just didn't get it. I could see if this were kind of just on in the background while I was doing something else, I'd let it play. Sure. But it's not any film that I'm going to go, you know what I'm in the mood for? Yeah. <laughs> yeah, where, whereas I, I will literally stop the things that I'm doing if I happen to just catch a whisper that the fifth element is on. Because the... Wherever they are in the movie, uh, whatever's there to next is uh, that's time that's not available anymore. I'm watching the film, and right. yes, I can get in the mood to go. I gotta sit down and watch the Fifth Element, and this doesn't hit like that at all. No, absolutely. I that's what I felt like after watching this film is I was reminded how long it's been since I've watched the Fifth Element. <laughs> yeah, when that and, and it has so much of what made the fifth element also cool in it. It's mm-hmm. there. But it didn't find that chemistry element that has to be there for these things. Doing the research and reading more about the comics did inspire me to actually investigate and look into the comics. They have oh, yeah. all been uh they have all been translated to many languages including English. Sure. So I I've, I've got the first volume of the books coming to me from the library. Okay, cool. Um, fortunately, unfortunately, they didn't arrive before we recorded. There's also apparently an animated series that was done. Really? Based on the comics. And I've got a, uh, a DVD of that, at least the first volume, heading my way as well. So I'm looking forward to checking that out. So I, I'm hoping that I become a fan of Valerian and Loreline, even if I'm not a fan of this film. Right. And, and well, yeah, it, it, I, I fear it might make you not like the film more. 
honestly, after reading what the characters were in the comics, that really made me like the characters less than I already did in this film. <laughs> yeah. Cause it's like, well, those aren't the characters I'm that you told me. were. <laughs> yeah. That, that's not what I was promised. <laughs> no, no, uh, you'll have to let us know uh, what you think of that. And then if you have way to share any of it, uh, I admittedly, when I first looked into this film, when it first came out, uh, I thought about setting on the path of the comics and never followed up. So I'll be curious what you think. Yeah, I'm looking forward to seeing them and uh, and seeing. I'm curious to see what I think too. <laughs> All right, well, okay, that is going to do it for Valerian and the City of a Thousand Planets. Uh, if anyone has any opinions on the film that haven't been read out already or shared by many of the people that have uh, spoken or uh, published their views, please do let us know. Uh, send us an email, timeshifterspodcast at gmail dot com, or follow the link in the show notes to all the social media sites. And leave your comments there. Next time, uh, kind of in the same vein, where yeah. I think it's definitely a, a, a film that builds an incredible universe to play in, and I'm not sure it provides a story. We'll see. This is another film I've only watched the one time, yeah. and I'm curious to watch it again. We're going to be taking a look at 2015's Jupiter Ascending. So, yeah, that'll be an interesting one to check out. I'm looking forward to seeing that one again. Yeah, it should uh, be a fun just, rewatch, at least. Yeah. But that's going to do it. So any thoughts on that film? Uh, please, same uh, same instructions. Email timeshifterspodcast at gmail.com. Follow the link to the social medias. That's going to do it. Uh, Tom, thanks very much, and thank you, everybody, for listening. We'll talk to you next time. Bye. See ya.